It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com British Airways is proud to welcome you to our home, to the thrills of London and the hills of Scotland, to delicious roasts and stunning coasts. Then explore Paris and Madrid and roam around Europe. Devour the art and savour the food, or just shop and shop until you flop into bed. Take off to Britain and beyond. Book now for 2021 and change later with our flexible booking options. Terms apply. Visit BA.com for details. This is the intro jingle. This is the K-Pop Devok Show with Eric Nam. Hey guys, welcome to the K-Pop Taebak Show with me, Eric Nam. This is a very special episode. Today we're going to be talking about my new album. Before we begin, why it matters, why now, why did I do it, and why in all English. Um, I've been doing a lot of press. I've been doing a lot of uh, interviews just about why this album matters at all. Not only to me personally, but in the grander scheme of uh, Asian American identity and culture and… Um, just about how I was raised and grew up. And so if that interests you, this episode is perfect for you. If you're looking for a quick three song suggestions, then all you're going to get is go listen to my album because it's the best album ever. And that's pretty much all you need to know. Before we get started, please go ahead and please, please, please leave us comments and ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, or whatever platform you're listening to. And also, if you want to see this entire interview, watch it. It'll be on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash dive studios and please subscribe there. We have all of our content on there so you guys can watch it and listen to it and connect with it. And uh, please leave us comments. We read through all of them and um, connect with us on all of our socials at Tebak Show. So without further ado, let's get into it. We're going to talk about Eric Nam's new album, before we begin. Don't tell me that you want me back If you run away, run away Don't tell me that you want Don't tell me that you want me back So I was born and raised in Atlanta and people who have been keeping up with my career know that I always felt like I was never properly represented in mainstream media. Be that TV, film, music. And so for me, being a musician or a celebrity or whatever was never a realistic uh, opportunity for me. It was really just a dream. And I think that really informed the way how I grew up. I never really thought to, maybe I should really learn how to sing or maybe I should learn how to dance. It was just go study, get a job, and live the Asian American immigrant dream. Um, That was pretty much all that I felt 
was really available to me. Not to say that is in any way bad or um, a, a bad path. But for me, I think at a certain point, I felt stifled by it. And I felt like I was limited. Um, so I think that's why I am so interested in listening to other people's stories about how they were born and raised. How they identified as Asian Americans. Any struggles that they went through. Because I certainly had a fair share of them. So no, I never really thought that I would be able to be on stage or do anything in media or entertainment. Like the only access I had to people who look like me doing music was by renting VHS tapes at the corner market after church on Sunday. And I would watch Music Bank or Music Core reruns um, from VHS tapes. And um, I guess… For me, like my way of kind of dealing with it outside of just watching those is like… I think I took more of like an academic approach to it. So I looked back and I think back to my high school and college days. And my senior, my junior senior year thesis um, in high school was about Asian misrepresentation in media. So if you think about it traditionally in TV and film… Um, we were first portrayed, Asians were first portrayed as caricatures. We were played by like white people with their eyes like like glued shut and like with weird accents. And then like growing up, I felt like the only people that we had to look at were like Jackie Chan and Lucy Liu, which is great. But like it's all just martial arts stuff. Again, not bad, but like that's… We are so much more than that. We have so many more stories. We have so many more… We have such a diverse group of people, groups of people within Asia and the overarching category of Asians. And I just never felt like we were properly uh, portrayed. And so I think going into college as well, it was, um, I think, I guess all of my upbringing, it was like, learn how to fit in in any situation. Learn how to fit in with people of all different backgrounds, all, all socioeconomic backgrounds. But then I guess at some point, I, I always felt like, okay, but like, what is mine? What is Asian? What is Asian American? And I always had a difficult time kind of understanding that. And when I realized that it's because we are, we haven't been had, we haven't been given the opportunity to d- truly define ourselves because we haven't been able to fully see our capabilities in media, I realized how important that was. So by the time senior year of college came around, um, you know, I had been asked, to, you know, run for student body president at Boston College. I had been asked, when I said no, they asked me to take over entertainment for student body. Um, I said no to that, mainly because my interest was in leaving an impact um, by founding an organization, the Boston Branch of Collaboration. Um, And that's pretty much a platform, a talent show for Asian Americans to showcase their talents in front of a live audience. And the idea is that through this, we can increase representation, provide more platforms, and people can develop their talents and skills. Um, and this is kind of like right at the peak of when YouTube and like Asians ran YouTube as well. So it's like a lot of energy and a lot of synergy coming from the Asian American community. I'm trying to be the man you need. I'm trying to keep you next to me. And then I think back to when I debuted here in Korea and um, people always ask me like, what are your goals as a singer, as a rookie? And I had two. It was always like, first, like make it so that I can do good things with a bigger platform, you know, philanthropic stuff like climate change or education or that kind of stuff. The other thing was 
to make it so that I could try to make it back home in the States. Um, and I think that was, in a way, it was very hopeful, very optimistic kind of dream. But at the same time, it was my way of kind trying to say like, even if music works out and whatever, everything should have a purpose. Everything should have a reason behind it. And my reason was to, in my case, increase the opportunities for other Asian and Asian Americans in mainstream media. I mean, so after graduation, I had a job at Deloitte Consulting and I asked for a year off. And during that year off, I was going to go to India to do social enterprise fellowship. Um, I got there. The program, honestly, it just wasn't right for me. So I was like ready to go back to Deloitte early. And then I got a call, an email from Korea. It says, hey, you want to come to like, it's like an American Idol equivalent um, in Korea. And at that point, I was like, sure, why not? It's a free flight home, right? I can go back to New York and like start my job early. And I can just like say hi to my relatives while I'm in Korea for a minute. All the while, like in the back of my head, I was always excited about the potential of becoming like a singer, songwriter. But I never thought it would actually happen. You never think this is actually going to happen. I think there's definitely, there was definitely an aspect of myself trying to manage my own expectations. But also, um, I just don't think I was ever allowed to dream that way. To dream of being like, I could become a K-pop star. I could become a singer. So when I was on the, the star audition program, I was lucky in the sense that I already had a job. So I had like a backup plan. And this was like a complete hobby to me. Um, and so I took it seriously because I wanted to see like how far I could take it and how well I could do. But my expectations were very low. Think about it. Like I can't speak Korean. I cannot understand what people are saying to me. I have issues with pronunciation. I don't know what's really going on. But people seem to like the way I sing. And so it was interesting. I was very, very lucky. But I really had very low expectations. But once I got to the top five and once I, you know, decided that I was going to pursue music here as a career, it was like, okay, how do we make it? How do we do this? Fast forward a couple of years, every time I'm in the States or anytime I do an interview with people back in the States, or I was like, why did you go to Korea to pursue music? For me, it wasn't a choice, right? I think… If I had started it in the States, like I'd probably be unemployed with like zero income right now. Because even now, I don't see major labels in the States taking chances on Asian or Asian American artists who aren't BTS or Blackpink or huge mega multi-million, you know, follower K-pop stars. If it works out, I can try to reverse engineer it back to the States. And the States or the West is at that point hopefully open-minded and forward-thinking enough to say, okay, cool. We get it. Like, we can try it. And that's enough for me to have said, like, I said, I did what I set out to do in the first place. And I don't think I, I really felt like I had control of my life or career until maybe two years ago, a year and a half, two years ago. Um, that was like the first time where I was like, okay, like, I've done what I could do. Leave me alone. And let me just kind of take the reins from here. But even getting to that point, 
was a lot of fighting, a lot of struggling. Um, culturally, linguistically, musically, just on, across everything. I mean, I think if anything, being in Korea, working in the industry, doing so many different things, being on TV, doing radio, doing hosting, doing MCs, doing endorsements, like all these different things. Like I'm so grateful and thankful for it. Again, like Korea is the one place that gave me an opportunity and said, okay, you can try to become a singer. We'll give you a label deal when nowhere else in the world would have given me a shot. If anything, starting in Korea, learning to work here, the work ethic, the culture, the speed, the production value, those are things that I think are world-class. And I don't think really some, some things even probably surpasses the States. Um, so for that, I'm incredibly thankful um, that I developed those skills and that skill set in Korea first. One of the biggest goals that I had had was to be able to try to perform in the States and make it in the States and reverse engineer things back to the States when the timing was right. And I think over the past maybe two years, looking at the rise of K-pop on a global scale with BTS and Blackpink and these groups, um, you know, I think people generally outside of Korea are very, very excited about K-pop um, and Korean content. I think what struck me was, unfortunately, I think the general public's understanding and knowledge of K-pop is very one-dimensional. And it sticks to this stereotype of everybody has crazy hair, wears crazy clothes, is an amazingly in-sync and choreographed, and uh, they're all in groups that are you know made out of factories. Which I think is not true. I think people and artists here um, just create and function differently. It's just a different Dreams. system. I feel so damn stupid every time I think What if you were so depressed and what if I think musically, in the terms of direction, I think, I think part of it is because the perception of K-pop is so like flashy and light in some ways outside of, you know, people who really understand and appreciate K-pop. I wanted to go even deeper musically than I typically would. I also wanted to put music out that sounded a little bit more mature than like what I had been recently doing. And recently, it's probably best to say that it's been very light, pleasant, just pop music. This has, I think, a lot of undertones um, that are a lot more serious and a little more vulnerable and raw in terms of, you know, speaking sonically. And I think part of the reason that we decided to write that way is because I could just do everything in English and it's easier for me to manage. When I'm doing stuff in Korea, um, it's a process of taking the songs that I've written in English, translating them or writing new lyrics for them in Korean, and then having the Korean audience understand what I'm trying to say through music is very difficult. I've always found that difficult. That was probably one of the most hardest, one of the hardest things that I had making it as an artist here. Because people were like, what do you, like, you sound like too pop. You sound too buttery. And you sound like, they make it sound like it's a bad thing. I was like, that's just my sound. And maybe in the Korea, they didn't fully get it. But in the States, it's just pop. It's just what everybody listens to. And so for me, there was a lot less pressure in terms of the creative process when it came to the creation of this album. What I focused on really is like, what songs do I feel really good about? 
what are the messages that I really want to convey. And I guess in terms of uh, the song selection, I wanted to do songs that were very diverse and across the spectrum of different genres. Because again, this goes back to the title. It's called Before We Begin. Because I don't want this album to define me as a pop artist. I want this to be an introduction of almost like an appetizer of being like, this dude is in Korea. Yeah, little nom noms. This dude's been in Korea. He's trying to do stuff in the States. But working, working this from a very Korean angle is difficult. So for me, this was just like the best shot um, for me to get my sound out there. For people to be… For people to get introduced to Eric Nam and maybe just like have them hooked enough so that they are familiar with me and they look forward to new stuff that I'm doing in the future. I didn't want this to like absolutely define me as an artist. Um, and once I get, you know, the right system and the structure in place and we put on an album then, that is what I want to consider and call my start. So I didn't write all the songs in this album um, this time around. But all the songs that I did write, we wrote in a day. They were all done in a day. Um, Which were? So Love Die Young. Congratulations. Come through. Um, What else is on that album? There's so many songs. (laughs) You're Sexy, I'm Sexy. I did not write. Wonder, I did not write. How Am I Doing… I took part in it, but I was in Korea, so we did it over the internet. Um, so they're all they're all a little different, but um, yeah, they're all just very different songs. I think what people will find when they listen to the songs is that they are on the surface level just like love songs or about love. But for me, they're a lot deeper. They're a lot more about me being vulnerable and being thoughtful about life. For example, Love Die Young. For example, Love Die Young, it looks like just like, please don't let this Love Die Young, just holding on to a relationship that's about to fade out. But for me, when I wrote it, I was in a place where I was just mentally and physically exhausted. Like the last thing I wanted to do was write or work. I just gotten off tour in Europe. I did 12 shows in 18 days and then I had to go and write a full album. So I'm like stressed. And anytime I walk into a session, like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I actually don't want to do anything. Like I don't, I'm like so burnt out, but we need to write this album. So I want to talk about being burnt out and like feeling exhausted. And so the opening lines of Love Die Young is what happens when it's over when we've breathed our last breath. For me in that moment, I was more worried and focused on, am I doing this? Am I like, is this career the right career for me? Am I happy? And like, am I good if I just die tomorrow? Like just a lot of random things like existential crisis about like life and happiness like those, those were the places where I was coming from when I wrote that song. So love die young. Love in the case for me can be literally romantic love. But can also be about passion. It could be about a certain item or a certain focal point or an idea or an inspiration that is important and essential to you. Congratulations. You finally mean it. Throw a party here tonight and pray 
So congratulations when we wrote that song. It was more I was very like stuck on trying to do very like sad breakup lyrics with a very happy track. I was kind of in that phase. And so that's where like congratulations kind of came out of. But congratulations. I don't know. I think what I realized like after having written this song it was that breakups and like having to say goodbye isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes you're in bad toxic relationships. So I think congratulations is about like sometimes it's good to get out of things. Sometimes it's good to know when to let go and to move on and it's just about understanding that and kind of being uh okay with it. I think we did it with a very tongue in cheek, very sarcastic, cynical approach, but I think that's what makes it fun and I think that's what makes it distinctly a fun pop track. So won't you come through, come through, come through. I've been looking for you, whoever you are. I know that it's you, it's you. This album, like all the songs, are incredibly special to me. Um, I think "Come Through," for example, that was written kind of thinking of like, you know, I think I was like at a point I was like, oh man, I want to meet somebody. Like, where would you meet somebody? I guess at a bar. I guess. And like, I like literally sat there like, okay, I'm going to sit at a bar. I'm having a drink by myself. And someone's going to walk through that door just like a drama. And it's going to be, she's going to just be like that perfect. Now. Yeah. <laughs> like that's literally like what was going through my head. So that was like, I mean, that was kind of like a fun one. The other ones, like, for example, how am I doing is more of like an introspective thing of like, obviously, you know, on the surface, this one too is kind of like, how am I doing? Like, am I treating you right? Am I a good boyfriend kind of thing? But for me, it was kind of like, how am I doing? Like, am I actually living life right? Am I doing things okay? It felt almost like a song that I was asking people who listen to it. Like, what do you think? Kind of thing. Um, Wonder, I think, is a song anybody can relate to who's been in a relationship where it's like, you're out of the relationship. But you wonder like, what if like, I wasn't like this? What if… She wasn't like this. What if this had happened? Like all these different scenarios that you draw up and you wonder if you could have made it again. Um, so I think, again, like a lot of these songs are around the themes of love, but they have a lot of universal messages and issues that they also touch on. So, I mean, I think that part of the other fun part is like a lot of people as they listen to music, they assign meaning to each song and what it means to them personally. Just because it means something to me does not mean it has to mean something to the person who's listening to it. It can mean something completely and absolutely different. So I think that's part of like the fun thing of me when I read comments and see people understanding and analyzing lyrics. It's like it, it could mean something about like prom or like a prom. high school teacher. I don't know. <laughs> a dog. I don't know. Yeah. But it's just all very, very different. So that's part of the beauty of music. So… Um, yes, thank you so much to all my fans who have been streaming it, who have been supporting it, who have been trending it, um, playing it to their grandmas and, you know, uncles and whoever. Um, thank you so much. Um, we are going to be going on tour to Southeast Asia in January. We're doing North America in February, March, and I believe we're doing Latin America end of March, early April as well. So it's going to be quite an extensive tour. If everything goes according to plan, we should be in close to 40 to 50 cities next year. Um, 
the Southeast Asia leg should be announced maybe right now as this podcast is out. So check ericnam.com. Um, you guys can see all the details on the tour. You can see all the latest merch kind of stuff. Um, yeah, all the different things you guys can stay updated with. It's an album that I'm super excited to perform for people. And I think playing it live for people was always such a different experience from just recording it and putting it out over a streaming platform. So hopefully you guys love it. Content has become so cheap and so disposable that it makes it hard for creators to continue to continue making music in a meaningful way that's not disposable. So if you appreciate effort, if you appreciate good music, if you appreciate good content, then please consider supporting your favorite artist by purchasing an album, by downloading it legally, by streaming it, um, and just really showing up for, you know, where you can for when the content is released. Um, this is not like a, mm, do it for Eric Nam, but just a global kind of thing. You're sexy, I'm sexy. Well, yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It's a little bit deeper than most episodes, and it's just all about me. But it's my show, so I can do whatever I want. But I'm just going to title this the most important episode of Tebak Show ever. That should be the title. But thank you for listening. Please, again, connect with us on our socials at Tabak Show. You can watch this video, of course, on youtube.com slash dive studios where we have videos from all of our amazing episodes across our network. But thank you guys again so much for the amazing response to the album. I hope you guys love it. Um, stream it, download it, buy it, and have a great day, week, or whatever, you, wherever you are. We're going to do a giveaway for this album and this song. If you guys go to the YouTube Congratulations music video and you guys hashtag Tebak Show and tag Dive Studios and leave a great comment about the song, about the music video, about your favorite lyric, whatever, um, we'll pick a few people and we'll send some stuff out your way. So thank you guys again so much for listening to this episode of Tebak Show. Hope you guys are happy, you're healthy, and you guys love the album. Have a great one. I'll see you guys next week on K-Pop Tebak with Eric Nam. Bye-bye. Congratulations. You finally mean it. Let's throw a party here tonight and raise up a glass to all ask goodbye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.